All right. So today I want to talk to you about the greatest commandment. As Mike said, we've been going through a series called Our House. And I love this series because we're talking about um, not so much the world outside, but we're talking about in here. We're talking about our family, the Victory family, the people who come into these walls as a part of the church, um, as a house of the church, how we interact with one another, um, the values that we stand on that make this work and let us thrive. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, and so I want to start this morning with our, our scripture verse that I'm going to base this, this word on today. Now, this is a scripture that's pretty familiar to us. Um, we, we hear this all the time. And I want to look past that a little bit today. And I want to say, um, what is it in this scripture that Jesus meant, that he said? Because that's how we should look at scripture. We should look deeper and say, hey, let me lay aside today what I've heard and what I've thought of this scripture years and years and years uh, of the past. Let me get a fresh look and see, Lord, what do you have in this for me today? So that's what I want to focus on and want our heart to be. So today we're going to look at Matthew 22. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think I have this part on the screen, but we're going to start in verse 34. So this is what happened here. Um, the Sadducees had been testing Jesus. And in Matthew 22, we're getting close to Jesus' crucifixion. So we're getting to a point where um, Jesus' three and a half years of ministry have come to be. This is actually Jesus' last time speaking publicly. This is his last time actually speaking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, with a crowd. We see more from Jesus um, after this with his disciples, um, and then we have the garden. All of that takes place after this. This is actually the last thing that Jesus left a public speech with, if that makes sense. And I like to reflect on this in, in, in the reality that, hey, if, if we ever ask the question, man, if Jesus could say one last thing to us before he left publicly to, uh, to Romans, Gentiles, um, Jews, everyone standing around, what would it be? And we have it here. This is what it is. So starting in verse 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, so one of the Pharisees, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, straight out of Deuteronomy 30, quoting it, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And he said, the second is like it. So he added a bonus to his question. He gave him a second commandment. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So he said to this, this question, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And actually in Mark 12, in Mark's account of this, he adds strength. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So this is what Jesus said. And as I step back and look at this, um, I find it so interesting that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were men who studied and studied and studied the Mosaic Law. Um, In the Mosaic Law, there are more than 600 commandments. 600. 
So you can imagine the conversation. This is their career. This is their life. These guys are probably all the time saying, man, what's most important in here? Like, uh, what do we go with first? What's the greatest of all of these? And Jesus cut right to it and actually told them. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus, well, really God, so um, God in a whole sense, so God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, when they gave the law to Moses, uh, God didn't say this is the first and greatest. This is actually a new insight that Jesus is giving um, to us, that this is number one. This is the starting point. This is first, and it's also greatest. And he said that um, in these two, the whole law and the prophets depend on this. So if you don't have these two, Jesus is saying, all of the law, all of the prophets, everything you believe, think about this, this is earth-shaking for them, all of it depends just on this. If you don't do these two commandments, uh, none none of the rest of it really matters. It's all going to fall away because this is the foundation. This is the rock that it depends on. He said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So I really want to focus on those this morning with you guys. And um, so I'm going to look at this in five different scenarios, really five different expressions that I think are really interrelated. And uh, I'm going to defend this from the book of 1 John, and we'll get there. But I want to look at five ways that the love of God is applied to our lives. So five ways. Number one, God loves God. Now this sounds really twisty. This doesn't make a lot of sense. But if we step back, (laughs) it sounds kind of arrogant, right? Like God loves God. When we think about the the Trinity and the being of the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when we look at 1 John, John says, God is love. So when I think about this, I think when God created the world, when God created the universe that we live in, um, that wasn't the first time that love occurred. But actually, I think that in history past, within the Trinity, There was love between the Father and the Son. There was love between the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That exchange was taking place. Frankly, our whole existence is actually dependent on the nature of God that we find in love. That's why he created us. So number one, I think, is most important to realize, actually, in all of this, is that God loves God. This isn't a new story that we get to step into. This isn't a new thing. Um, just like when, when I fell in love with my wife, Olivia, love wasn't a new thing. Love was going on. Matter of fact, love's how we existed, frankly. Um, so this isn't a new thing, and it's actually been going on way back in eternity. Number two, God's love for his people. An important dynamic when we're going to get to the end and talk about loving one another is that we've got to understand that God loves us. Without God loving us, we don't have the capacity to love. And then number three, and this is where we're going to start really looking this morning at this topic, is our love for God. Because God loves us, we're called to love God, and this is the first commandment, right? That we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. 
and that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And then number four is our love for um, ourselves. You guys thought I was going to say others. Our love for ourselves. Um, if we don't know how to love ourselves, how do we follow that second commandment of you should love your neighbor as yourself? If you hate yourself, it's going to be hard to love your neighbor. Number five is our love for others. And I think when we come into this, I think of this really in a circle sense, right? So God loves God. God loves us. We love God. We love ourselves. And we love others. This goes in a wheel. If you think about this. And if any part, any spoke of this wheel is gone, the whole, uh, our whole ride is going to fall apart. Because we're going to have a breakdown in love. So I want to, when we look at these five things, um, I want to be clear that um, we aren't called by God to have this all figured out today. We're not supposed to have, man, I got I to gotta love God perfect today. Um, I got to see that God loves God perfect today. I've got to love others perfect today. I got to love myself perfect today. No, this isn't the way that God works on us, right? God works on us through sanctification. So when we give ourselves to God, he sets us in this journey that is us being purified, washed, and separated from sin and set apart to serve God. That's what sanctification is. Um, so in this dynamic, um, when we get going, this is a grind for us, right? But the beauty of God's love is that it will perfect us over time. And God will give us opportunities to be perfected over time. So from here, I want to go to 1 John. And I, want to, I just want to take this out of Scripture and talk about this, these five dynamics and how we see them in Scripture. So um, if you'll hang with me here, I'm going to read through this and I'm going to stop and, and put an emphasis on a few points. So this is 1 John 4, 10 through 21, some of the verses in 10 through 21. Um, starting in verse 10, John says, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So what he's saying is, um, is that love doesn't start with us loving God. It starts that God loved us and sent Jesus for us. He says, beloved, if God so loved us, so if he loved us enough to send Jesus, we ought also to love one another. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So what he's saying is, if we love one another, God is working in us, and he's doing this sanctification perfection process in us, in the way that we're loving one another and loving God. Um, and he said, by this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he's given us his spirit. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, so if you're saved, God abides in him, and he in God. We've come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected um, with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. 
Then he goes on in verse 19 and says, We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but he hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, who he has seen, cannot love God, who he hasn't seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. All right, so let's start. Let's, let's break this down. That was a lot. That was a lot. I'm the type of listener that, um, I'll be honest, I don't have the greatest memory. I don't, know, uh, I don't know what happened to me in development. I just don't remember things very well. And really, sometimes when I read one verse and then I get to the next verse, I kind of forget the one before. Anyone else like that? Like when you just read through? Like I remember that last verse I just read, but the rest of it before it, <laughs> I can lose it. Um, so I want to start and just walk through this paradigm uh, and just talk about loving God. How do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? I think number one, we love God with our primary goals and dreams. Who in this life has some goals? Who has some dreams? No one. Amazing. Some goals and dreams in life. I want to step back and say, where did we get those dreams? Where did we get those goals of the things we're seeking? Did those come from God? Did those come from God? Now, if we step back and we're talking about um, how we're going to live life out of God loving us, God's primary goal and dream that we see in our interpretation of the world is that his goal and dream were us. And that his love for us impacted his goals and dreams. So I think my first question for you today is, does God impact your goals and dreams, your primary goals? Now, some of us, we have goals that uh, involve God, maybe on the list of going to church, having fellowship with other believers, um, a life of prayer, a life in the word. My question is, does that match your primary goals and dreams? Is that first, like we see in the first commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two, second part of loving God is that we actually can choose to love God. Now, I have this struggle in life where I get distracted really easily. Um, and year after year after year of life and my walk with God, and I'm just getting started, right? I'm in my early 20s. Um, but I have this thing where like every few months I find myself kind of distracted. Anyone else? Every few months, you get really focused um, on the Lord. You have that like personal revival. You know what I mean? You're like, Lord, I'm going to run after you. I'm going to lay aside the last few months and the struggles I've been having, and I'm going to focus on you. And I find myself year after year, every few months, I got to come back and say, ah, I lost this again. Lord, I'm going to come after you. Ah, three months later, I got distracted again. Lord, I'm going to come after you. That, uh, in that case, what I have to do is I have to choose to love God. Now, that sounds odd because we live in a world where love is like a feeling that we get, right? It, it kind of comes on us. Um, when I met my wife, I didn't really like choose to love her. I didn't really have to choose to love her. I just fell in love with her. I just talked to her, and that was the way that it happened. But um, with God, that isn't naturally always the sense. We actually have the opportunity, just as God chose to love us, that we choose to love him. 
couple of verses I want to uh, look at here. Uh, in Psalms 18, a lot of you know uh, Psalms 18. David is in one of the most difficult seasons of his life. And um, in this time, he's just had this, this case where his son uh, tried to raise up an army and overcome his kingdom, overcome his leadership. Um, he lost his family. He had actually had to flee the capital city of Jerusalem. And out of this, David came back and wrote Psalm 18. And the way that he started it is he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. I will love you. So we see David, he chose to love God, even coming out of a struggle, even coming out of a difficulty. Number two thing I want to look at is um, 1 Corinthians 13. Now, if you read first, through 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm not going to go through it all right now, but we see a lot of stuff in there that isn't about feeling, right? When we see love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. That's not saying that we don't feel love, right? But it's saying that you got to choose and work on patience. you got to choose and work on kindness. That's the expression that love comes out of. So love isn't always just based on a feeling for God, but we actually have to choose to love God. And number three, the third way that we love God is we follow his commandments. In John 14, verse 15, he says, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So that's, that's in a nutshell. That is loving God. Those are just a few ways that we get to love God. And from here, since we're talking about family, we're talking about victory family, I want to talk about that second commandment, right? And, and we want to lay the groundwork and remember that our loving God is first dependent um, on God loving us. If we don't understand loving God, remember through this, we're not going to get this. We're going to be fighting against a brick wall, pushing through, pushing through. We're not going to get anywhere. If we don't realize God loves God, God loves us, we love God, we love ourselves, and then we love others. Now, we love ourselves. That's kind of an interesting one, right? Um, but the second commandment, Jesus says really clearly, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, who here has had a difficulty with this verse before, where it says, uh, love, you got to love yourself before you love your neighbor. Now, I've struggled many times, and um, I know uh, um, that I'm not unique in this, where I have a lot of trouble really being satisfied with myself and saying, Man, I'm, I'm all right with where I am. I'm, I'm a driven guy. I like to push on to the next thing. Um, I like to always have a goal ahead of me. In that, I can sometimes lose the love that God would have for me in saying, you know what, Matt? You're in God. God loves me. I don't have to worry about being loved or being all right with who I am. Yeah, I've got sin in me, and God's working on me, and I'm surrendered to that. But if I can't be comfortable in my own skin, how am I going to love others? How am I going to let God love me if I don't recognize, man, God made me. God spoke life into my lungs. He sustains my breath. If he loves me, I can be all right with feeling loved and being okay with who I am. That's what it looks like for us to love ourselves. This is a, this is a stumbling block for a lot of people. Because we believe lies about ourselves all the time. 
I'm not good enough. Um, I can't be right before God. I've got sin inside of me. The enemy is chirping in my ear, condemnation. Um, that that sin is going to limit me from God. I can't ever come before the throne of God because of what I've done, of who I am. But that's not God. Guys, that's not the voice of God. The voice of the Lord is represented in the testimony of Jesus, that he came, he died, and he shed his blood so that we could be cleansed and washed. That's who we are, and that's who God says we are. So then our love for others. We will only love one another if we experience God's love in us. Let me say that again. We will only love one another if we experience God's love in us. Now, some people would say, Matt, that's not right. (laughs) I've seen plenty of unbelievers, plenty of people in the world who love each other just fine. They got good marriages. They've got plenty of friends. They love their children, right? Who's seen those people? They love their kids. And you look at it and you say, how do you do this without loving God? Now, I want to challenge you guys this morning in the fact that the love that comes from God isn't based on loving people who agree with us, loving people who like us, loving people who like the same things that we like. Come on. Loving, uh, loving people who help us get in the direction that we want to go in life. You know, loving your boss because you want that promotion. Is that really God's love? Is that really God's love? If we just, if we love someone for what they can get for us, now, I'll, I'm going to be really vulnerable and honest, and I'm going to act like my mother-in-law is not in the room. Who here, um, who here has had a child that's gotten married? Anyone? A child's gotten married. Did you notice, this is probably especially true for if you have a daughter, did you notice when your daughter's boyfriend first came over, they just acted like they loved you a whole lot? They, is that right? Is that true, Mindy? I was, man, I was, I was emptying that dishwasher. I still do sometimes, but I don't do the dishes like I used to at the Nakamas house. I just don't. All right. Now, I, I do love Brian and Mindy. That wasn't God's love coming out of me in that moment. All right. Cause I had something that I wanted from them and that was their daughter. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Mike. But that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily God's love. That was good, right? That was good. It wasn't bad. But that wasn't God's love. God's love is when, what we see in Jesus is when we come before people that disagree with us, speak evil of us, don't like us, we don't like them all that much, but we say, God, you love them enough to die for them. I will choose to love them. Now think about this. If we don't know God chose us, we're not going to be able to love like this. But guys, this is the love that God has for us, that we could love others in that way. Now, I could go through a lot of triggers, and I'm not going to talk about your political party, although no, I have. I'm not going to talk about who's president. Um, I'm not going to get into all of those things, all right? We live in a world, man, I could just really trigger, I could, I could get this group going in, in about three sentences, all right? But if we are not choosing 
to love those people, the love of God may not be abiding in us. John said, if anyone says they love God, but they hate their brother, they're a liar. Man, that's hard. If I love God and hate my brother, I'm a liar. I don't love God because I don't know how God loves. I may like people. I may get along with people who are good to me and kind to me, but I don't really love them. And I don't really know how to love God if the love of God is not coming out of me. This is a struggle. And um, a lot of you know this verse. The verse that goes, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That is love from God, guys. That is love. I want to close this morning with a story. Um, this, is a, this, is a, this is a funny story. I told a couple people who were here this, this week this happened. So on Tuesday afternoon, um, I had been studying for this message, getting ready. Man, I listened to some good sermons. Um, I did a lot of reading. I was fired up on this message. Man, I, am gonna, I said to myself, I am going to live this message I'm not just going to love people who I like, who I get along with, who help me get from A to B, the direction I want to go, who like the same things as me. I'm going to learn to love people. So on Tuesday, um, I sat down actually at Bagels and Brew. Who likes Bagels and Brew? I really love going there. I love sitting down and, uh, and, and just having some good coffee, some good study time, some good conversations. So I thought this would be a good place to go. Tuesday afternoon, I went to Bagels and Brew. And I got to live a real-life example of this while I was preparing for this, this message. And I said, Holy Spirit, I know this is you. I sat down, and across from me were a couple of ladies, um, two younger gals, community members involved in the, com- in the community. I actually didn't know them. They didn't know me. Um, I don't think this would have happened if, that were the, if they knew who I was. Um, but, man, while I was sitting there, I was sitting down, turning my music on in an earbud, I started to overhear this conversation, and these people were talking about my family in not so nice a sense. And I was just amazed that someone could sit down uh, in a coffee shop, and a couple of ladies could just go on and on for about 20, 30 minutes, just saying uh, really not nice things about people I love. And it was, it was one of those things where it's like, Sometimes you hear a comment, right, where someone doesn't know you're standing there and they say something about someone you know. Um, but this was like, this was kind of getting personal, you know. And my heart was just starting to, uh, you know what I mean? And, th- and I was having those thoughts of, boy, wouldn't it be fun if I could just, if they were saying, now, what's that person's name? If I could just pipe in and be like, that's, uh, that's Jim, you know what I mean? And just like embarrass them. I had those thoughts, right? Um, and as I sat there, I, as I sat there, I could feel the Holy Spirit working in me and saying, love them. Bless them. If you know that I love you, you will love these ladies. This is what you're studying on right now, Matt. I'm giving you an opportunity to do this. This was hard. And so I started praying, Lord, bless them. And I'm not saying I was doing one of those, Lord, bless their kids, Uh, bless their job, and I hope they get a promotion. You know what I mean? I I was cutting past that, okay? I was saying, Lord, 
bless them. And it was hard, and I was feeling it. Um, and I was feeling convicted all the way through, and I was still having those temptations and thoughts of, man, wouldn't it be nice to chime in and just set them straight right now? Um, but I was just sitting there saying, bless them. Um, and I was praying for them, and I was, I was praying, Lord, I wasn't even doing that. Lord, could they come to know you and realize the knowledge of truth and their sin? I was saying, Lord, just bless them. Would you just be with them? And as I was doing that, even that, the Holy Spirit said to me, and I don't, I don't say that a lot, but this was just so clear. He's like, you know what I meant. You know what I meant. I was like, Lord, I'm, bl- I'm praying for them. I'm blessing them. And he's saying, no, you're going to go. You're going to go to the front. You're going to pick up their tab, and you're going to pay for their lunch and their coffee. And, and you're not going to tell them who it was. So, so I, it hurt, but I, I did. I did that. And I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm telling you guys, I know this struggle and this pain. And I also just want to be a testimony that when we will listen to the Lord, he will show us how to love people. And we're not alone in it. This isn't something for us to work out in our own strength. We're not going to get there. We're not going to get to loving people. And when we really come from that example to the point of this message today, this isn't for just out there in the world. This is inside this house. There are people inside this house. We don't like each other all that much. We haven't gotten along over the years. But if we're going to be the family of God, we've got to love one another the way that God loved us. We've got to decide, I may not like them. I may not like their choices. I know what they've said about me. I've heard the gossip of what they've said and what they've done. But you know what, Lord? I will love them. I will love them and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to love them? As I say this right now, some of you have people in this room that are coming to mind. Um, And if that's you, the Holy Spirit, I think, is giving you an opportunity right now to say, I will love them. Holy Spirit, show me how to love them like you love them. You may not ever like that person. You may not get, have the same interest. But if we will choose the love of God above our desires, our feelings, our needs, we can become a family that loves one another as the Lord would love us. Let's pray and close. Father, we thank you that you came, sent your Son, Lord, you gave us your commandments all through Scripture. We see you. We see the, the realness of you, the truth of you, and the knowledge of you coming forth on the earth in so many different ways. And Lord, we know today that this was all because you loved us, that you created us for love, that as you chose us, we could choose you, and we could reach back and say, Lord, we love you. We love your law. Lord, we love what you've done for us, but Lord, even more, we love who you are and we want you to abide in us. Lord, I pray today um, that in the reality of that, in the exchange we have with you, Father, would you convict our hearts to love one another? Lord, would you remind us as we encounter those people that we don't get along with, we don't like so much, that you love them that you chose them when you created them and put breath breath in their lungs. Father, we thank you that you love those people. 
And Lord, we say that if you will help us, Lord, we will love them like you do. Father, I ask that here in Victory, here in this body, in this church, could we be a church that loves one another? Father, could it be the testimony to the world that people would see us and say, man, Jim is different. Rob is different. Lord, would they see it in us that we love beyond a human measure, but we love as you love us? You said, this is how they will know that you're my disciples, that they love one another. Lord, we ask today that your love would abide in us and through us. Lord, we ask that as we go into the week, Father, your blessing would be on our family. Lord, that you would draw us together and that um, your life and uh, abundance of life and victory would abide in us and through us and that we'd be a testimony of you as we go out in this week. In your name we pray. Amen.